Chapter Three of Benjamin Franklin by Robin McCown. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The birth of poor Richard. Deborah Reed was married. This bit of news which greeted his return came as a shock, though he had only himself to blame. A luscious young woman like Debbie could hardly be expected to nourish her affection on one letter in a year and a half he had it seemed to him three major causes for self-reproach in his past the grief he had caused his parents by running away from boston the wrong he had done his brother james and his long neglect of debbie he resolved that henceforth his life would be conducted differently printing was behind him now or so he thought under thomas denham he set himself to learning the intricacies of merchandising he lived with denham their relationship was that of father and son it lasted only a few months in february seventeen twenty seven the good quaker fell ill and did not recover his executors took over his store and franklin was out of a job swallowing his pride he went back to samuel kamer to his surprise his former employer welcomed him with open arms and even gave him a raise he soon found out why Kamer had hired half a dozen men at very low pay. The trouble was, they knew nothing about printing. He needed Franklin to teach them their trade. Obligingly, Franklin went to great pains to show the men everything he knew himself. He did considerably more than he was paid to do. When types wore out, instead of sending an order to England for more, he devised a copper mold to cast new type, the first time this had been done in America he made their ink and he started a sideline of engraving all the techniques he had learned from the london experts he now put to use knowing kamer he did not expect gratitude nor did he get it as business improved and as the workmen mastered their trade the employer grew increasingly uncivil and quarrelsome he complained that he was paying franklin too much and nagged him incessantly matters soon came to a climax one day franklin heard a loud noise outside the shop and dashed to the window to see what was happening he never did find out kamer was standing in the street below and on seeing franklin's face at the window he bawled him out in such violent and insulting terms that everyone in the neighborhood could hear no job was worth that much franklin took his hat and walked out never to come back that night a fellow journeyman named hugh meredith came to see him meredith who had been a farmer and taken up printing only recently was fed up with kamer he proposed that the two of them should go into partnership as soon as his period of service was up a few months hence his father admired franklin and was willing to finance them mr meredith senior soon confirmed the offer privately telling franklin he felt he would be a good influence on his son who drank too much during the next months franklin did odd jobs and in his spare time organized a club called the junto there were twelve members in all including hugh and two other printers a shoemaker a joiner a scrivener and others in modest trades the leather apron club the town's wealthier citizens nicknamed the junto because of the humble working-class background of its membership the junto met each friday franklin provided them with a list of queries to be discussed 
have you lately observed any encroachment on the just liberties of the people already he was beginning to think in terms of civil rights do you know of any deserving young beginner lately set up whom it lies in the power of the junto any way to encourage he knew from personal experience how much it meant to a young man to have friends to give him support and advice which is best to make a friend of a wise and good man that is poor or of a rich man that is neither wise nor good his brief tussle with earning a living had convinced him that wisdom was preferable to riches whence comes the dew that stands on the outside of a tankard that has cold water in it in the summer time the latter was one of many scientific queries he suggested to the junto in line with his own curiosity about the mysteries of life to improve themselves to cultivate ethical virtues to lend a hand to their neighbors all were included in the junto's lofty aims they composed essays on various subjects if a member read something of interest in history morality poetry physic travels mechanic arts he shared his new knowledge with his fellow members they were not always serious sometimes they met for outdoor sports they held banquets composed and sang songs made jokes told stories often had riotous times together the friendships they formed were firm lasting as long as they lived occasionally franklin caught sight of sir william keith on the street the former governor would look uncomfortable and slink away his fortune had deteriorated before very long he fled to england leaving his wife and daughter penniless he died in a london debtor's prison in the spring of seventeen twenty eight when franklin was twenty-two he and hugh meredith were ready to open their own printing shop in a house on high street their first customer was a farmer who gave them five shillings to print an advertisement no sum ever loomed so large customers were few and far between those first months it was not due to franklin's partner that they survived at all he was rarely sober enough to do a day's labor his father had been optimistic in hoping that franklin could change him eventually hugh admitted that he would never make a printer i was bred a farmer benjamin twas folly for me to come to town and apprentice myself to learn a new trade they talked the matter over and came to an agreement franklin would pay back hugh's father the hundred pounds he had advanced for their printing equipment pay hugh's personal debts and give him thirty pounds and a new saddle two of his junto friends loaned him the money he needed hugh took off for his farm leaving franklin at twenty-three the sole owner of the printing shop the common people of pennsylvania at this time were pleading for paper money such as was used in massachusetts and other colonies but the wealthier citizens opposed it franklin siding with the people wrote a pamphlet on the nature and necessity of a paper currency which he printed himself and which swayed the pennsylvania assembly to pass a bill to issue such paper currency for his contribution franklin was awarded the contract to print the money soon afterward philadelphia's most esteemed lawyer andrew hamilton arranged for him to print the laws and votes of the government business was beginning to prosper with all orders he took infinite pains he kept his equipment in excellent shape cleaning the type himself 
he used very white paper and very black inks and sometimes made decorative woodcuts to illustrate advertisements he hired a workman and took an apprentice but outworked them both staying in the shop from dawn to near midnight his rival andrew bradford printed an address from the pennsylvania assembly to the governor in a slipshod manner franklin reprinted the same address elegantly sending a copy to every assembly member the next year he was voted official printer for the assembly he started a stationer's shop to sell paper booklets and miscellaneous items perhaps to impress the citizens of philadelphia with his industry he carted his supplies from the wharf in a wheelbarrow wearing his leather apron philadelphia boasted only one newspaper a dreary and conservative sheet which bradford published franklin talked over with his friends his own desire to start a livelier paper one of them betrayed him to kamer his other rival who promptly put out a newspaper with the ambitious title the universal instructor in all arts and science and pennsylvania gazette that poor illiterate kamer running a newspaper it lasted only until september seventeen twenty nine when kamer head over heels in debt sold it to franklin for a pittance and departed to the barbados never to return the pennsylvania gazette as he called it became franklin's newspaper to run as he wished that winter he performed his first scientific experiment designed to find out if the heat of the sun was absorbed more readily by colored objects than by white ones the experiment was so simple any child could do it the wonder was no one had thought of it before he took some tailor's samples small squares of cloth in black blue green purple red yellow and white and laid them out on the snow a bright sunny morning in a few hours the black square which the sun had warmed most had sunk low into the snow the dark blue was almost as low the other colors had sunk less deeply while the white sample remained on the surface of the snow franklin thought in terms of the practical value of this discovery white clothes would be more suitable than black ones in a hot climate summer hats should be white to repel the heat and prevent sunstroke fruit walls if painted black could absorb enough of the sun's heat to stay warm at night thereby helping to preserve the fruit from frost a glazier's family named godfrey had been sharing his high street house he was lonely when they moved even his close friends of the junto could not ease his longing to have a family of his own on occasion he visited the reed family deborah's marriage had turned out tragically her husband a good workman but irresponsible had like kamer taken off to the west indies to escape debts even worse it turned out that he had a wife still living in england debbie who had come home to live with her mother was so pale and sad franklin was filled with pity for her perhaps first out of a desire to do good franklin did his best to cheer her up and it pleased him no end to see the color gradually come back to her cheeks as her normally high spirits returned no woman had ever appealed to him more than she in time she responded to his affection they were married on september first seventeen thirty theirs was not the most romantic attachment in the world but it endured she proved a good and faithful helpmate he wrote some years later in his autobiography we throve together 
and have ever mutually endeavoured to make each other happy indeed debbie proved the ideal wife for an ambitious young man she helped him in his printing orders by folding and stitching pamphlets or purchasing old linen rags for the paper-makers and she ran their stationer's shop since he preached the need of economy she obligingly served him plain and simple fare and contented herself with the cheapest furniture nor did she complain when he went every friday night to the meetings of the junto the little club had now hired a hall for its weekly gatherings as there was no good bookshop in philadelphia the members pooled their own books and loaned them to each other this practice of communal sharing gave them so much pleasure that at franklin's suggestion they commenced a public library every subscriber junto member or not paid a sum down to buy books from england and there was an annual contribution for additional purchases america's earliest lending library had come into being the first of many civic benefits which franklin initiated over the years a rival organization to the junto was the newly established philadelphia branch of the masons mostly well-to-do citizens the aim of freemasonry was to promote friendship mutual assistance and good fellowship franklin succeeded in becoming a member by a rather sly trick a note in the gazette claiming knowledge of the masonic mysteries since these mysteries were supposed to be highly secret the members were so alarmed that they invited the gazette's editor and publisher to join their ranks for many years he was a leader in masonic affairs he had wanted to be a mason but no one could persuade him to join any church or denomination that there was one god who made all things and that the soul was immortal he believed firmly he held that the most acceptable service to god is doing good to man since all religious sects in theory preached the same he never did see a reason to favor one of them above the others within a year or so of its inception the pennsylvania gazette had the largest circulation of any paper in america profiting from the lessons he had learned while working for his brother james he stressed human interest stories and local news he ran an article on the harsh treatment of a ship captain to the palatine immigrants he published stories on robberies and murders was not above poking fun at the stodgy official reports which filled the pages of andrew bradford's paper and he took up the cudgel for the freedom of the press most popular of all were his letters from the readers many of which he undoubtedly wrote himself thus anthony afterwit complained that his wife who wished to play the grand lady was ruining him celia single scolded the gazette editor for being partial to men alice addertongue another contributor announced the opening of her shop to sell calumnies slanders and other feminine wares he ran advertisements sometimes for runaway slaves it would be some years before he crystallized his thinking on the evil of slavery sometimes for a wife pleading to her husband to come home he slipped in jokes as a good cook adds seasoning and he refused to let the paper be used for personal quarrels in seventeen thirty two three years after launching the gazette he was ready for a new publishing venture his celebrated poor richard's almanac there were other almanacs published in the colonies 
almanacs in fact sold almost as well as bibles soon poor richard eclipsed them all like the others it noted holidays changes of season dates of fairs gave weather information advised the best day to gather grapes or to sow seeds interspersed with such data were proverbs verses witticisms and epigrams some original but a great many adapted from sayings of great writers of the past trimmed to suit an american audience light purse heavy heart a rich rogue is like a fat hog who never does good till dead as a log eat to live and not live to eat nothing more like a fool than a drunken man to lengthen thy life lessen thy meals none preaches better than the ant and she says nothing observe all men thyself most half the truth is often a great lie lost time is never found again little strokes fell great oaks nothing but money is sweeter than honey love your enemies for they tell you your faults love your neighbor yet don't pull down your hedge don't throw stones at your neighbors if your own windows are glass the cat in gloves catches no mice to err is human to repent divine to persist devilish a brother may not be a friend but a friend will always be a brother and a tribute to debbie he that has not got a wife is not yet a complete man poor richard had something to say on practically every subject under the sun he was in turn witty wise and in keeping with the time he lived in somewhat bawdy no matter that he was sometimes inconsistent and contradictory that he might praise saving money at one moment and make fun of the miser the next americans farmers business men wives and workmen chuckled at him laughed with him and perhaps at times took his moral lessons to heart many of his maxims became embedded in the american language because of poor richard prosperity touched the family that had hitherto known only economy and hard work one day franklin came down to breakfast to find that deborah had served his bread and milk not in his usual two-penny earthenware crock but in a china bowl instead of his old pewter spoon there was one of silver what is the meaning of this debbie my pappy can afford a china bowl and a silver spoon now she said End of chapter 3